Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. This is our very original idea, the Year in Review episode, our second annual Year in Review episode. You know what that means? We've done it twice. Yeah, two years. Yeah, yeah. Which this one, though, I was thinking this one's kind of a lot more work than the last one, because the last time we did one of these, we had only been doing this for eight months. Yeah, and now we have a full 12 months to report on. And we'll probably even like talk about stuff from the eight months before that, too. Yeah, it's like a 400% increase in time. I don't know if that math adds up. I don't think it adds up, but it's four (laughs) more months, so somehow that jumps it. So, so what is it? What is a uh, year in review episode entail? Uh, Definitely not talking about a new book that we read because that didn't happen. Um, pretty much what we're going to do is look back on the last 12 months and talk about some of the interesting stuff that happened, I guess, right? This whole episode is an excuse for Rob to use spreadsheets for, for statistics. That's all it is. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to share our show notes uh, because they are confidential and um, proprietary, but I may have inserted some tables into a uh, Google Doc, like a Google <laughs> Word document. He may have inserted some tables. Multiple uh, tables, not just one table. We're talking multiple tables. Am I on the right table? I'm on table two. Is that where we're supposed to be? So, what do you want to kick it off talking about? Let's talk about some of the things we accomplished this year. Let's let's get this off on a high note. Some of the some of the good good things that we did this year. Um, yeah. All right. So, one of the things that's new for 2012 was we introduced some new types of episodes. Uh, in 2011, we did lots of reviews. We did a ton of author interviews in an eight-month period. Um, and interludes, those were kind of the style of episodes that we brought to the table in 2011. We kicked it off 2012 pretty early on with a brand new style of episode, which was our intro to episodes. Yeah, we, uh, we promised a slew of them. We delivered two, but the two we <laughs> delivered were terrific. We had uh, Nick Corpin join us for an intro to Hard Boiled episode where we talked all about the origins of the hard boiled crime novel, um, you know, for, from its beginnings all the way up through today and what some of the best hard boiled stuff is to date. Um, and then we did an intro to Bizarro as well. Yep. So J. David Asborn came on uh, to talk to us a little bit about Bizarro, tell us how it kind of started out, what it is, dispel some myths about it just being people writing goofy really disturbing weird stuff and um gave us some really good recommendations about yeah books film that kind of relate to bizarro things like that and um that led to us having a review of jeremy robert johnson's we live inside you and then subsequently having him on for an interview yeah we wanted to do more of these but here's what happened it's really hard to find somebody that will actually uh play the expert so here's what we found. Lots of people be like, hey, you know what? I think you'd be perfect to do this. And they'd be like, I don't know enough about that. And they do, but I think once you put that expert teacher title on somebody, it becomes a little difficult for them to handle. Yeah, they balk a bit. Like even if you know like from casual conversation or just, just knowing the person that they would be a good fit for that type of thing, everybody gets a little squeamish when it's like, you know, it's going to be recorded. People are going to listen to this. I need to know really what I'm talking about. But yeah, so people are really shy about that come on guys here's the thing yeah we don't need to know what we're talking about we do this every week 
Yeah, we never know. Exactly. <laughs> As will be demonstrated in this episode. That's right. Very um, frequent that we don't know what we're talking about. But we haven't given up on intro two episodes. So much, in fact, I'm not going to release all the details of this of this interaction, but I did reach out to a horror legend um, just last week, and he very, very politely, very quickly, and very politely um, responded and said he didn't think he would be a really good fit for that, and then went on to say he really doesn't read a lot of horror. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we were ready to bring you a goddamn legend, unfortunately. That didn't. That's not going to happen. The legend will join us sometime this year, I think, just not in the yeah, capacity of expert. As a yeah, as the horror introist. Oh, you know what? Maybe I should ask him to do an intro to horror. Romantic comedy is what I sent him. Oh, damn! That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, at any rate, if you'd like to see an intro to episode on something, you know, shoot us an email. Hit us up on Facebook. If you know somebody who can help host one, then just call the phone number. I mean, you get in right away. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So if your like best friend is the foremost authority on like cyberpunk erotica, hook us up. We will do an episode <laughs> intro to cyberpunk erotica. That's gonna be an awesome episode. All right. <laughs> The other new type of episode, and I didn't realize this until Rob put together these very detailed notes. The other new type of episode we did this year is we did our first live reading. Yeah. Yep. We kicked it off with uh, at AWP. Um, actually, before AWP, Noir at the Bar in St. Louis at the end of February was our first actual reading that we, uh, we posted up. Yep, on AWP Eve is when we recorded that one. And then we drove back to Chicago to record not one but two readings um, that took place around AWP. Yeah. Um, the wrong kind of reading at the Galway Arms in Chicago, and then the Shindig in Chi-Town at the world-famous Billy Goat Tavern. Hey, has anybody been in there to see if our picture's still up on the wall? No, the ridiculous thing, too, is that one day I was about two blocks away from there, and I intended to go over there, and then I just didn't get a chance to, but uh, I was so close. Um <laughs> I'm willing to bet it's still on the wall. Then we had one more reading episode uh, or reading recording that we did, which was the Noir at the Bar 2 release party in Corridan, Indiana, not so long ago. So four total live readings, 16 episodes of live content with um, actually, let me go down to one of my tables, 29 different authors. Yeah, and of those 29, there were some some gems. I mean, the vast majority of them were, were great, but there were some true gems. And I think that uh, most recently, um, one of my favorite moments was Matthew McBride um, reading his story from Noir at the Bar 2, The Tar Pit. Uh, yeah, it's even better when you call it The Tar Hole. Or I call it The Tar Hole. <laughs> hey, at least I called him Matthew McBride. And that, it's... Yeah, like, I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing. Um, I... <laughs> I'm gonna. I was gonna try and hesitate to to mention, but David James Keaton really was really good for. He showed up in three different reading uh, recordings that we did, and his uh, his antics at the Shindig in Chi Town were um, just insane. <laughs> Picking yep. fights with waiters and dudes in the bathroom and stuff. <laughs> he's such a <laughs> he's such a character. We'll wait until we get to the David James Keaton section of this year in review. And, and talk more about him 
But yeah, and even all the way back to our first one in St. Louis, I mean, hearing Caleb Ross do the lip adopters to a room full of totally disgusted people, that was yeah. just a great, great, great moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, overall, the readings have been pretty excellent. Not only because it's cool, like, the thing is, um, it's just nice to hear authors in their own voice. I know I've said it before. Uh, the other thing is, it's less work for us, because really all I have to do is, you know, drop that file in between Livius and I talking about it for a couple minutes and that's an episode Yeah, except for the part which is a perfect segue in this next section where we have to cram ourselves into a car for six or seven hours to get to, to, get to one of these readings <laughs> yeah that's you know we spend like an hour a week talking an hour two hours a week talking you know to record the podcast and everything and obviously we talk at other times but like we never sit in a car for seven hours for any reason except for to go to some kind of event. Yeah, so this year, um, our shortest our shortest drive is probably Milwaukee, right? I mean, we're a little halfway between Milwaukee and Chicago. Yeah. The Christopher Moore book signing in Milwaukee, mm-hmm. um, which was a very, very nice short car drive. That was in my new car, so that was pretty cool. For yeah, me anyway. yeah, we went to the Altera Coffee Place, which was excellent. Yep, and then uh, Chicago for AWP, which I guess seemed like a much longer drive since we had just gotten back from from st louis yeah um we also had obviously the noir at the bar st louis we already mentioned um and then noir at the bar down in Cordon, indiana which from where we are would it end up being like six and a half or seven hours yeah i think it's about six hours but yeah it's it's well and we drove through the crazy time change too so it was like 20 hours (laughs) just to get back home i know like we <laughs> time didn't change in Indiana, but we aged like three days. Well, and then you know, not this, but we had to deal with all the hauntings and stuff, yeah, and the, the ghosts in Corridan, and all the weird shit that was going on too. So that didn't help any. Yeah, it's, it's something always comes. I mean, something always comes up. But uh, our, I guess our longest, not only in duration but uh, in distance, journey was the trip to L.A. that we took in uh, July this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about all the great content we got while we were in L.A. <laughs> we did we did do um, the bulk of the FCJR videos there, which, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, otherwise content pretty much consisted of sitting by a pool talking. Yeah, which was... Which, was, which, which of all our trips, I think that one was my favorite, so... Yeah, that was... A lot of fun. It was a ton of fun, and uh, and a great week spent with some pretty cool, pretty cool people. Mm-hmm. In 2012, didn't just bring you interviews and book reviews. We also reviewed a completely different format for us. Yeah, um, kind of. I don't even know if like it was planned in advance. We just kind of decided, oh, we could do a, an episode around this when we um, met up with Jed Ayers, uh, Dan O'Shea, Kent Gowron, Kevin Lynn Helmick. And uh, Jul- Julian Grant to, uh, to to see the the friends and crew pre-screening kind of thing of the fuckload of sh- scotch tape. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're gonna call it fuckload of shorts. I was. I was gonna call it. <laughs> there, was, there was that weird time. There was like a month and a half to two months where like everything that i was reading or watching or you know you know facebook posting about had the word fuckload in it <laughs> yeah not only did julian grant adapt those two great short stories from jedediah airs into the movie flossed but recently he did that pale light in the west which was a very very short film um it's an adaptation from book friend nick corpin 
yeah, it was pretty awesome. I guess um, if I remember correctly, was it the one where um, there was a festival that was entirely for movies shot on iPhones? Oh, I have no idea what the origin of it was. I think that's what that was for. He was doing a, he did a call for some very short fiction, and I think it was for um, a festival that was solely for movies shot on. I don't know if it was necessarily iPhones or smartphones or mobile phones or whatever, but I think it was specifically iPhones. Hmm. That and, makes um, it even more interesting. And I saw the quality; it looks looks pretty solid. I mean, I yeah. watched it. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. So he chose Nick Corpon's story and. Uh, it fits perfectly if you want just a quick minute and a half, two minutes, however long it is. Uh, kind of crimey story. It, it worked really well. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so you know what else was new this year? Uh, well, one of the milestones I think is really huge is that we broke 100 episodes, the 100 episode count, um, back a few months ago. And we're, <laughs> Libius and I are, you know, kind of talking in advance, you know, in the month or two leading up to it, you know, we got to do something big for the hundred hundredth episode. It's a big deal. We got to figure out something cool to do. And then, you know, we're like, do we get on some guest hosts? You know, do we do a themed thing? What, you know, we're trying to bounce ideas back and forth and time keeps coming, you know, and the time keeps coming quicker and quicker to, to record the hundredth episode because we're dropping all these readings, which, you know, we do a few in a week. So like, it's going even faster and it comes to the point where we're like, we don't have any idea what we're going to do for the hundredth episode. What are we going to do to make it special? And what did we do? Livius? I thought, Hey, let's publish a book. Yeah. Instead, (laughs) instead of sending out a couple emails to get someone to come onto the podcast and be funny, we're like, let's obligate ourselves to (laughs) hours and hours and months and months of hard work making a book well to be fair that you know in, in retrospect coming up to 100 episodes we had collected so much talent on this show that you know it just seemed fitting to do that and we didn't stop with it the 100th episode we have people past the 100 mark who are going to be in this book but that'd be kind of a nice way to highlight our first you know year and a half yeah it was it's an excellent idea makes a lot of sense because now we've got you know probably 70 75 authors that we've had in one form or another on the podcast. We've got a nice network of people who are really talented, who obviously we like or believe in because we gave them time on our podcast. And yeah, may as well just kind of, who better, I might regret saying that, to <laughs> put a collection of short <laughs> stories together from these people than, than us. So we're going to, that it's in, work, in the works. I like how eloquently you put that. Um, For me, it's all about just trying to mimic what James Patterson does. We're going to have a book. It's going to have our name on it, but somebody else is going to do all the work. Well, yeah, that's the more succinct way of saying it. (laughs) I guess that's what it is. Genius. (laughs) Genius. Do you, uh, while we're talking about the anthology, you want to drop some names? We could do that. Um, So we're going to release a few more names from our table of contents. We're letting them trickle out a little bit at a time to kind of build up uh, excitement and and, uh, and momentum. Uh, So I think fittingly, the first one to mention this evening, because his name has come up at least twice now, Nick Corpin joining the TOC at the Booked Anthology. Yeah, Nick sent us over a story called Straight Down the Line. Read it, fell in love with it. Um, Can't wait for people to read it. I think it's a great story. I just like his style. He always, he's always got something uniquely like he writes crime stuff and it's pretty, you know, you know, it's in the style of like a crime story, but it's always like, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, 
it, it, it could blend into a pile of other types of crime stories. There's always something very unique about his stuff. Where, where do all, where does this story take place? Does it take place in Baltimore? I have to imagine it does. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they all take place in Baltimore. <laughs> That's why I mention it. Yeah. But yes, a great story, and we're very happy to have him on. Another person we got uh, who we spoke about in the last year in review episode last year, which was episode number 57, Joshua Allen Deach, author of Strangeness in the Proportion, um, sent us over a story, which is just, I can't wait for people to read. It's so cool. And (laughs) so, like, pretty much the moment that we uh, announced that we were going to do an anthology and we're thinking about all the people who were eligible to submit stories to us. You know, we had our ideas about people that we wanted and things that we were hoping for. But since we loved Josh's book so much, we, we like, seriously, we arranged time to hang out with him to say, hey, we're making this anthology. What are the chances we can get a Simon Meek story? We specifically requested a Simon Meek story because Strangers in the Portion is just such an awesome book. Yeah, unfortunately, the Simon Meeks, you guys may have heard, uh, is is kind of tied up a little bit in the uh, the rights belonging to somebody else. Um, but, you know, as disappointed as I was about that and as leery as I was about that, we got his story and it is just fantastic. Yeah, yep, I absolutely, I absolutely adore it. And he he is, I, I believe, single-handedly invented a genre, right? Horridorable? Horridorable. I don't know if it exists anywhere else, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, that may be his creation. Yeah, horridorable. Just, and, it just uh, rolls off your tongue. Yeah, Bob Pastorella, it's all horridorable. Horrid. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> all right. Um, and the third and final um, writer we'll be announcing for the booked anthology table of contents this evening is a very, very recent guest of the show, Fred Venturini. Yeah, and the story we won't go into the whole story of how we uh, got the story, you know, got the actual the logistics of everything. But a little fun tidbit about the story we got from Fred Venturini was, I, I just I love that it worked out this way. We found that story actually because Jed Ayers had sent us an early version of the Noir at the Bar Two anthology, the non non final version of it, and it was at a point where there was two Fred Venturini stories in the book and it wasn't decided which one was going to make it into Warrant the Bar 2 anthology. So it turns out that the story that I, I you're in agreement on this, right? That would, that would have been the anthology winner for, yeah. for that book. Yeah. 100%. Turns out that w- what we liked the most for Noir at the Bar 2 was not the story that Jed went with. So now we have this anthology. We're going to have Venturini on as a guest. And he's got a story that's currently homeless. So we, being the, uh, the, the, good, the good people that we are, wanted to make sure it had a good home to live in. And it is going to be joining the booked anthology. Yeah, it was a very it was a good stroke of fortune that we happened upon the story the way we did because we both love it so much. So it was just it was very painless. We just said, hey, let us have this. And, and he was nice enough to share it with us. So, so there you go. Three more authors: Corpin, Deach, Venturini. Yeah, I think we've announced twelve authors now. We did six the first time, and then three, and then another three. Right? I, did we do six the first time? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's twelve down. Twelve down. Twenty nine to go. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh lord. 
This would be like the Warren to Bound sessions, just never ending. Yep. yep In a yep, good yep. way. Let another podcast do all those interviews. Yeah, that's right. So. Yeah, they can do the, the booked anthology sessions. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, the other thing that I guess I also didn't realize only happened this year is that uh, we added a member to the booked family. Damn right we did. Who did we add, Livius? Skip Papersley joined the the bosom of booked this year with his with his booked news. Absolutely, Skip kind of came out of nowhere. He really just kind of sent us a uh, a thing one time, and he's like, "Here, I made this booked news thing, and we we loved it." And he's been with us for twenty four installments of booked news since then. Yep, started uh, started on our one year anniversary episode. And uh, has been with us ever since. Gotta love that. And uh, he may have sent us a booked news in review, uh, a year in review thing that we can. You want to play? You want just? We can just go ahead and drop it right now. Unceremoniously. Let's roll it. Let's roll it now. Here's Skip Papersley with book news. I'm Skip Papersley. Welcome to the book news year in review. Two thousand twelve was the year of the ebook. Early data concluded that ebook sales were up and continued to outpace regular books. However, it was when one little upstart book about sexy white patriarchy hit the e shelves that people finally stood up and took notice. No one would have guessed this short, dirty novel by an author that got their start writing fan fiction for Twilight would have taken America by storm. But it did. And that's all there is to say about that. 2012 also saw interactive books with Daniel Lewski's The Fifty-Year Sword and Horowitz's The Silent History. These are both early examples of new forms of storytelling available for your iPad, Nook, Kindle, and other readers. 2012 proved that you no longer have to be bored while reading. This year, 2012, wasn't just fun and joy. The book world took quite a few hits even as we survived the end of the world. The following is a list of those we lost this year. Gene Craighead George, David Rakoff, Gore Vidal, Alexander Cockburn, Maeve Binchy, Stephen R. Covey, Marion Cunningham, Donald J. Sobel, Nora Ephron, Ray Bradbury, William Lee Miller, Kathy Kamen Goldmark, Helen Gurley Brown, Maurice Sendak, Doris Betts, Adrian Rich, Harry Cruz, Andrew Breitbart, Jan Berenstain, Barney Rossett, Wislawa Zimborska, and the innocence of everyone who believed in magic and read Casual Vacancy. But not always bad news. 2012 also brought us the following James Patterson books, all of them bestsellers. Private, Number One Suspect, Private Games, Guilty Wives, Eleventh Hour, Middle School, Get Me Out of Here, I, Michael Bennett, Nevermore, Nevermore, The Final Maximum Ride Adventure, Zoo, Confessions of a Murder Suspect, NYPD Red, Daniel X, Armageddon, Merry Christmas, Alex Cross, What I'm Thankful For 2012, I, Funny, and finally, I Sit on a Giant Pile of Money Like Smog on His Stolen Dwarven Treasure, a novel. What recap of last year would be complete without a recap of the best fiction in 2012? Coming in number five, Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. 
Number four this year is a book about a girl that's gone. Gone Girl, revised edition by Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn breaks through the list once again with her book, Gone Girl, third revised edition at number three. Really close to the top is Gillian Flynn's Gone Girl special edition at number two. And finally, my wife, Gillian Flynn, takes the number one spot with her book, Gone Girl Honeymoon Edition. This has been 2012. I'm Skip Papersley, signing off. All right, so uh, <laughs> once again, Skip Papersley, book news, year in review. Um, I don't know if I fully trust his top five books of 2012. Hey, we're all entitled to our opinion. <laughs> well, I thought he was reporting it as objective, not... <laughs> I guess that's yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe the same book, top five spots. Well, his list I think is going to differ from ours a little bit. What do you think about throwing down our top three books of? So in the year in review episode last year, we did top three and top and bottom three books of the year, and each of us gave our own list. And if I remember correctly, our lists were strikingly similar last time. So we'll see if that happens again this year. Um, I, I already know what the lists look like. <laughs> So, I'm I'm aware of how similar they are or aren't, but yeah, let's do it. How do you want to do this? You want to start off at number three, or you want to go to number one? Oh, uh, yeah, let's go to threes. You, you do your three, I'll do my three, you do your two, yep. like that. Got it. All right, so my number three was a little bit of a surprise. So, Rob had put together, you know, this, this great document with all the notes and stuff for the show. So, I'm scrolling through, and I'm trying to find my top three favorites. And, you know, it, it's easier to kind of go back and look at them. I knew what a couple of them were going to be. This one really caught me by surprise, and it, it, it took me a little while looking at this list to make sure this was right. Pablo de Stairs, They Say the Owl Was a Baker's Daughter, was my uh, my number three pick for, for this year. <laughs> all, the, all the pooping and vomiting. Yeah, but you know what? That book that book really stuck with me, and, and I don't know. <laughs> I know there's books I've reviewed uh, you know, and given more stars to, I think, but for some reason you know now that it's months and months later that book still sits in my head it's a good book mm-hmm. all right so my number three of my top three for 2012 probably not very surprisingly but this is also the most uh what commercial mainstream bestsellery uh a book on my list which is Tallulah rising which coincidentally is the number 11 spot on the goodreads best of 2012 for horror hmm, that's interesting i want to get a look at the rest of that uh at the rest of that list if that's number 11 it's weird because i don't really think of Tallulah rising as a horror book no nah, it's got werewolves and it's pretty gruesome in points no that's true that's true but agreed very very good book glenn duncan i'm sure we'll be picking up whatever he puts out next love that dude so uh, my number two, very, very recent, very fresh in my memory. Probably not a surprise if anyone heard me go on and on about how much I love S.G. Brown and, and his, his Andy character. I saw zombies eating Santa Claus, my number two for this year. Great book. My number two, Stephen Graham Jones, Zombie Bake Off. Just an excellent, incredibly entertaining um fresh look on the zombie genre kind of book it was just such a, a delight and a surprise and there was so much wonderful stuff in there zombie pro wrestlers zombie wrestlers exactly gotta love it all right my number one book of 2012 frank sinatra in a blender by matthew mcbride 
Tough to argue with that. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't don't argue with it. Well, I'm not going to because well, my number one <laughs> my number one spot is kind of a tie, and it's just because I can't make my mind up between these two. Um, Frank Sinatra in a blender is one of my number one tiebreakers, and the other one is I saw zombies eating Santa Claus, the book that made me cry <laughs> so much. <laughs> Uh, both excellent books, both deserving of being considered the best book of the year because they were just wonderful, wonderful reads. Just refreshing, original, excellent stuff. I'm willing to bet you when there's a re-release of I Saw Zombies Eating Santa Claus on the back is just a little tidbit that says Makes Podcasters Cry. <laughs> That's very, yeah. very blurb-worthy. Yeah. You want to do bottom books right now or you want to hold off a little bit and come back to it later? Let's uh let's save a little. Let's jump back to that later on. Cool. Um All right, something else that happened in 2012 which was just completely unexpected, unsolicited, but kind of cool, actually really cool. Um and and has sparked some great conversations since then was the Booked Podcast Listening Group. Yeah, so earlier this year Lawrence Kitts of Slit Your Wrists magazine um had the the foresight and the, the the genius to create a listening group for uh, for listeners of book podcast, other writers, and and you know a place where we can post stuff. And you know the the great thing about it is a that it's you know a little bit of a it has a sense of community. Um, the other great thing is that man, Facebook really doesn't give you a whole lot to do with a page anymore unless you're willing to plop down big bucks every time. So if you're part of the listening group, you see everything we post. Yeah, the group's really cool and. Um... Beyond just like being a place to pimp our stuff, because we've already got our Facebook page for that, and we've got our you know Twitter and web in our website and everything. Um, someone randomly just started a discussion about you know, there's one discussion that was like, what's the book that you can't shut up about? Um, you know, what are you reading right now? That type of stuff. And there are ongoing threads that have been going on for weeks and weeks now, where people just keep contributing to them. So that's the type of stuff that we can't accomplish on our on our booked page very well, but in the listening group, it works very very well. So yeah, we're glad to have everybody who's in the listening group. We're very, very thankful to Lawrence for uh, for putting that together and having the the idea to do that. And uh, you know, if you're not a member, all you gotta go do is click the join button, and one of the six or seven moderators will immediately, immediately add you to the book podcast listening group. That's right. What else? What, that kind of spun off something else, Livius, right? Yes, it did. Rob then has the idea. See, it's everyone else has the good ideas. I never have the good ideas. That um, <laughs> there's content that doesn't always make it to the podcast for various reasons. Um, so Rob has put together a separate web page, completely separate from the podcast. We don't even track the downloads or anything on that. It's the book bonus content page. And uh, all that consists of is, uh, you know, funny or interesting moments from the show that for one reason or another did not make it onto the episode. You don't remember exactly what it was that made us feel like it was necessary to do that i think that we just had enough instances of things where we had to cut it out whether it was for time or that it was just you know so off topic that it didn't fit um but that was like quality stuff um that we wanted to share with people we just didn't have really like a strong venue to do it so uh with the help again of lawrence kits uh who <laughs> realizing his enthusiasm by by creating the listening group i'm like let's put this dude to work um yeah, he helped us throw together this booked bonus website where we just put a post up, yeah. <laughs> Some of it's like, you know, just funny stuff that, you know, we cut out or um the most recently 
an additional like 22 minutes of Craig Wallwork conversation that I mean the episode ended up being almost two hours anyway so we had to try and keep it reasonable so we cut that out but you know um, we made it available for people to listen to that anyway just kind of in a different format I refer to it as the blackmail page yeah 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 so it is some more racy stuff yeah, there you go. That's where you put all the stuff. Where guys are like, you're not actually gonna put this on the show, are you? And we're like, oh no, no, it's cool. It won't go on the podcast. Where we're talking about hitchhiking in wheelchairs and stuff like that. <laughs> That's exactly it. So, may I drop this? Uh, what do these call it? Hashtag? Was it like this acronym? I dropped this hashtag acronym a little earlier. Um, 2012 and our LA trip brought about um, probably one of the cooler projects we've done. Totally not really related to reviewing books or anything. Um, FCJR. Yeah, which um, I want to make sure I give credit up front as 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 early as possible. Um, Misty Bennett, who uh, is what's her exact title at Manarchy? She's the art director at Manarchy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and a longtime Velvet uh, member, and um, she's pretty much involved in practically everything that you know Manarchy is doing and the people at Manarchy are doing. So she's she's got a lot of involvement, but she coined the FCJR hashtag that was her baby and uh, kind of on a whim we just decided to run with it and uh, was it your idea I think you're I think all right so I think my inspiration was to do some sort of book reviews of an FCJR book but Livius actually made the fake book Mm -hmm. and then we pulled that together into a series of video interviews that we did <laughs> where people were pretending to review a book called FCJR. Um, and we did most of that out in LA. Yep. You can, um, you can Google or you can go to YouTube and search for FCJR and you'll pull up, I don't know, a good dozen, 15, whatever videos of um, um, some of Caleb J. Ross's contemporaries, some four-year-olds, some other people all <laughs> talking about their opinions on Caleb Ross. Um, like I said, a whole lot of fun to do. Um, everybody was great. I recently crushed, crushed after hearing that Craig Wahlberg had a video they didn't think was uh, that the, the actual filming quality was good enough to send in. I was crushed when I heard that. Um, but definitely a fun project, and I'm sure that Caleb Ross is not uh, has not seen the end of being the butt of some jokes. Yeah, it was a lot of <laughs> unexpected fun. It was, it was more, you know just to fuck around than anything but um people really thought it was fun and they they put a lot of thought into what they said and everything and ended up being pretty cool so um yeah f that cjr guy (laughs) oh jr harlan hiding out in mexico is just goddamn (laughs) awesome Yeah, people just took it like i was like you know what he grabbed my butt once and like harlan's like yeah he's after me he's trying to kill me Wallwork comes up with this thing where he's trying to chase down someone who stole the book from him. And yeah. I'm like, wow, I am not a creative person. No, that's why we review the the books, yeah. and that's why these guys write them. That's how that works. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. And then all that reviewing that we're so good at, because we're obviously not very creative types, did lead to something um, that I thought, that I think is pretty goddamn awesome. This is Horror, a UK website. Um is having their 2012 um, like you know, awards, just general awards. There's a bunch of different topics. There's best 
tattoo artist. There's, you know, uh, or tattoo artist. Of the, everything's of the year. So it's tattoo artist, uh, novel, podcast, a bunch of other stuff. Really, the only one that matters, if you think about it, is podcast of the year. And we, uh, <laughs> no matter what level of research I do, I can't figure out what landed us on that list. <laughs> um, not that we don't deserve to be there. Just I don't know how it happened, <laughs> but uh, we're there. We're one of the uh, nominees for Podcast of the Year at the This Is Horror uh, Awards for 2012. I did the research, sir. Due diligence here. And it turns out that we were nominated by one or more people and that a committee at This Is Horror vetted all the nominations and then decided to add us to that list. Oh, so we were vetted? Yes. Wow. That makes yeah. it even better. Yeah. We are the, yeah, yeah, vetted podcast of the year, hopefully. Hopefully. There's still time to vote for us for podcast of the year. Yeah, join the book podcast listening group if you're not there. Uh, like our Facebook page. Friend us individually if you want to. Um, we, we're... <laughs> she says that like, man, we're like, well, I don't know. <laughs> whatever, I mean, whatever. You, I'm trying to just throw out options, but um, we're putting it up on Facebook a lot. Um, we're going to put it in the post for like pretty much every episode. Well, actually, this is going to be the only episode of the then. But anyway, it'll be in the post for this episode and the previous episode um, to, to tell you how to how to go about um, voting. Yeah, this is this is how we operate. We're going to do a last minute blitz to get votes. Now, this is the type of marketing we do. When I say blitz, that means like Rob will post on his Facebook. I'll post on my Facebook. We might post once or twice in the book podcast listening group. So we are definitely not the spammy, um, you know, self-advertising gurus that uh, that plague Twitter and Facebook. We're very kind of reserved about sharing our stuff. We don't want to really intrude on anybody. But this time, this time, we may post twice. That's how important this is to us. Yeah, it really is like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to us. We take it very seriously. Um, Livius did commit a federal crime. In the hopes of winning this, as you mentioned in our previous episode, taking mm-hmm. out someone's kneecaps. Yep. Um, kind of foolishly. <laughs> Maybe he didn't need to. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's how that's how seriously we take this. It's, it's a very big deal. You know what I just thought about? Huh. We won't know in time for the next episode if we won or not. Yeah, because the voting stops, what, January 5th or 4th? The 4th, fourth, I think, yeah. yeah. So two more episodes. So um, next time we're recording... You'll hear us um, talk about how we hope that we won, but it'll be too late for you to vote, and we won't know until the following episode. So yeah, it's your last chance. Go out there, do book to favor, vote. It's your, it's your, uh, it's not just your right. It's your duty. It's your duty as, as a, a podcast loyal listener. booked podcast listener to yeah. to vote for us to give to make us. You do this, not us. We we just talk. You make us. An award-winning podcast. That was very touching. There, yeah. <laughs> very, very touching. Uh, and how do we? How do we? Uh, how do we qualify? We can we can quantify right by numbers. We can break it down into numbers. Why we qualify to be a podcast of the year, right? We have we have. Is there any tables that we can we can look at for that? One, two, three, four. <laughs> There are no less than four tables that we can Well, look to at. be fair, that second table splits onto a new page, and that's why it's... Oh, okay. All right, all right. I'm going to let you kind of run the show on this one. This is your baby here. <clears throat> all right, so uh, I'm going to start out by saying that um, 
to kind of talk about last year, one thing that we noticed by by doing kind of a statistical breakdown of our ratings is that we're generous with our ratings. Um, last year, Livius's overall average rating out of, I think it was 23, no, I'm sorry, 29 reviews, Livius's average rating was 4.02 stars. Mine was 3.95. And we were astonished because, like, that's high. It's, that's out of five stars, right? Yep. So then and there we said we're going to be much more strict and much more harsh in 2012 with our ratings. How do you think we did? Well, statistically speaking, I think we accomplished what we said we were going to do. That's right. Livia said he's going to be as cold-hearted as me. Um, and he ended up being way cold, more cold-hearted than I w- was last year. He went from a 4.02 down to a 3.57 average rating. And I went down from 3.95 to 3.46. So he's still just a pinch more generous than I am. <laughs> but we're definitely tightening the screws on you sons of bitches. That's right. So, But to be fair, to be fair... We had some loser books to help those numbers this year. <laughs> so, holy shit. Uh, yeah, um, we had our first zero-star book this year. We did. Um, we did. James Patterson, Zoo. We just liked it to the, to the point where we defied the Goodreads system and gave it zero stars. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I, I don't. We're going to do this one a little backwards because we have our bottom three. <laughs> pretty sure that rob just gave away number one damn it oh damn it yeah so number one bottom three books we shared this one in common zoo by james patterson (laughs) and a guy with a really forgettable name michael bookmaker i think his name was michael bookmaker (laughs) (laughs) that might have been it (laughs) uh you want to just run off our bottoms yeah let's (laughs) yeah let's run our bottoms let's run our bottoms like a lot of fun uh, what's your number two? My number two was The Wolf Gift by Anne Rice. As much fun as that episode was because we had Sean Ferguson join us on the show, second worst book this year. Yeah, my second worst book this year was Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, again, Amanda Gowan was on, so it was an excellent episode. Um, I really enjoyed how much we talked about the movie Secretary. But the book itself was just not just badly written, but it was just really kind of insulting and and definitely made me uncomfortable because it's like essentially like a it's a how to book for being in an abusive relationship. And I don't condone that at all. So uh, definitely that that's my number two. And it was a little bit of number two, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, that was my it was my number three. Um, I think that the reason that I put Wolf Gift as ahead of that in the bad category is I expected more from Anne Rice. I didn't have very high expectations for, for Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, and my not high expectations were completely met. Exceeded, maybe even. There you go. So. My number three, my third worst book of the year, 1Q84, the book that kicked off the year. The 900-plus page piece of just ridiculous garbage that it was. Um, I really can't stand that book, <laughs> thinking back on it. The only re- memories I have of it is how much like 
it didn't make sense and how much I didn't like it. Yeah, we had to put in like a bogus episode in between because we couldn't finish it. Yeah. We were like, oh, we're going to do, do another interlude episode because we can't finish this goddamn book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the sad part is that 1Q84 is on a lot of best of lists for 2012. Yeah, it's stupid ones. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. Um, I do think recently we were talking to somebody who, who had mentioned that they had had something they kind of wanted us to review and it was in the 900 page category my first thought was Haruki Murakami ruined that for everybody there will be no more 900 page book reviews yeah damn it can't do it all right so I'm not going to do the breakdown of of a of a ratings by star like I am tempted to because I have this nice table and it's got each uh you know one one and a half is one range of of rating two two and a half three three and a half like on and on um but I will say that the most I'll tell you what the most frequent um, star that we or rating that we gave uh, each of us mine well I'll let Livius do his own but mine was surprisingly four and a half stars and overall my four star range four or four and a half I had 15 books that I either rated four or four and a half stars for a total of four and four and a half stars I did 21 um, I was a little heavier on the four star ratings than the four and a half star than Rob was on the you know, four and a half stars. So, but can I just say that there's one really striking thing on this? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What I'm looking at, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I loved or hated every book. I had no <laughs> three or three and a half star reviews. Everything was four or five, two or one. And zero, but yeah, <laughs> nothing was a three star book this for which the, is, me this year. Yeah, which is weird because like you stick to the extremes of like it's terrible or it's excellent, and I stick kind of closer to the middle where it's like oh, I liked it, I you know you know mm-hmm. uh, you know I liked it or I really liked it. I don't really I think what's go. What's funny too far. about this? I know the first two books we reviewed were both three star books. <laughs> yeah, you remember that way back when? Not yeah. this year, but yeah. yeah, the Mozart conspiracy and three seconds. Three seconds, and you know what? I think that other one, the the Sunset Park, was also three stars. Yeah. So I think maybe I just got tired of rating books three stars, and so I'm just not doing it anymore. <laughs> Those books do not. I like how at the bottom you have the total books reviewed, as if maybe they're not the same. Well, I, it's just the way I had to break it up. Oh, tables. Yeah. Got it. So, um, Olivia's just segued me perfectly into, we reviewed a total of 34 books this year. Um... Uh, <laughs> I rated I gave a higher rating five times uh, last year Livius was pointed out as being the higher rater uh, mm-hmm. and it's consistent this year too because he gave a higher rating 12 times 12 times but synchronicity my friend 15 times we gave the exact same rating to a book pretty crazy right that's love right there Oh and and uh, oh f- five star ratings. I uh, I want to make sure I point out. I gave two five star ratings out of thirty four reviews. Livius gave mm-hmm. double that. I did. Yeah. I did. I gave four, and I stand behind the four I gave. <laughs> Do you know what they were? Yes, because you wrote them all down on here. <laughs> all right, <laughs> it's, it's highest rated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> All right, and I'm not going to beat the uh, the stats horse to death or anything, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I think it's interesting to point out, in 2011, in that eight-month period, we, re- we interviewed 26 
we did 26 interviews, if I remember correctly. Caleb Ross was on twice, so it was 25 authors, 26 interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2012, a full 12 months, only 14 interviews. You know what the difference was? Hmm. Warmed and Bound. Yeah, Warmed and Bound was 17 in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you took the other 17 out, we only had nine left over. Yeah, we're, we're probably right on track. Yeah, and then the big difference, too... A lot of our episodes were, were taken up this year with uh, uh, those readings. Because it was, what, 16 episodes, 29 authors? Mm-hmm. So it's not as if we didn't introduce new authors in the quantities that we did last year. We just kind of did it in a new way. Yeah. And this year also saw the, uh, the, the creation of the three-author interview. So if you really look at it, we interviewed six people <laughs> in two episodes. We didn't do a lot of interview episodes this year at all. Yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. One of my promises, one of my resolutions, we'll talk about it a little later. That's right. So. All right, I'm sorry, I fell asleep oh, there in the middle a little bit. <coughs> are, are we done with the tables? Are the tables over? You know, it is exciting to some of us. All right, well, I'm going to stretch a little bit. Maybe we can find something a little more, I don't know, energetic or spontaneous to talk about. All right. Well, I did, in in my diligence, um, dig up <laughs> some of our more funny incidents of uh, 2012, uh, and, and um, I may have actually cut up clips that we're going to insert into the episode. So, uh, so we're just going to throw them out there, and then maybe we'll have a little something to say afterwards. So here is our first one. You're right. You splitting hairs. I mean, apparently during World War II there was some concentration camps, or not? Con- I'm sorry. Not concentration camps. <laughs> there was some. <laughs> God damn it. Oh, great. Livius is a Holocaust denier. Yeah. No, there were, um, what were they called? The Japanese people. The internment camps. Internment camps. There you go. All right. I'd just like to say for the record that I'm not actually a Holocaust denier. (laughs) Just in case. I think my words are misinterpreted a little bit. That whole thing's taken a little bit out of context. context. Just wanted to put it out there. I knew you were a harsh person, but like... You know, you got to be sensitive. We have a, a variety of listeners in a bunch of different countries. You can't just go around denying the Holocaust. Well, you know, and, and again, not saying I was denying the Holocaust, but let's face it, there's a difference between denying and being an active participant. <laughs> wow. All right. That's uh, for next year's <laughs> year review episode. Um, but that's not all the funny. We had some guests that were funny, too. This one might be my actual favorite uh uh, funny moment of 2012. Bing bang boom. So, so is the book closed on your relationship with Tony G? Is this? Uh... What are you? What are you asking me? What are you, you asking me? You got a? Do you got an octopus story? Because I need I need octopus stories. I, I need eight octopus stories. <laughs> Not sure why eight. Eight sounds like a good number. I round it up just like I do my royalties. I'm gonna talk like him for 48 hours. I don't fuck around with royalties. My ducks are in a row. But yeah, octopus. We're doing about the Occupy movement. We'll call it Octopi Wall Street. Who <laughs> 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 put the fucking Octomom on it? That bitch is fucking cocaine. <laughs> You're here right now, I'd give you a good hearted punch in the shoulder. Which ain't easy. I'm punching myself in the shoulder. I do the hard work over here. Two dollars and four dollars. Keaton, I want you to get off of Skype bang, bang, and write that goddamn story, the Octopi Wall Street story. 
Octopi Wall Street, it's gold, man. <laughs> Fried gold. No flip lamb. Oh. Bigfoots are blowing up, though. No joke. And now you guys know why David James Keaton has been on this show more than anybody else. That right there. That right there explains it. <laughs> I could just list, I could just loop that over and over again. And it's just, it never gets any less funny. That is just, oh, I love it so much. I mean, let's let's think about this. Had we have done this last year, we would have had him with his um, his recorder, yep, his his voice recorder on there from from the interview episode we did with him originally. Um, <laughs> you, you we probably just could have kept pulling. I mean, you could have added the the part at the shindig in in Chi Town where where he's berating <laughs> that waiter. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a variety of things you could have put on there, but I, I think I think you did I think you did justice to David James Keaton right there with Octopi Wall Street. Yep. Uh, it, he wasn't the only one getting into antics, though. We we've got another uh, booked regular here getting a little. I don't know if it's offensive. It's just weird. When so. you sent a text message, you meant a telegram, right? No, and he has futuristic. Said, uh, he has futuristic technology for his time. And when you said that, he said, "Damn you, John Grisham! Damn you!" You probably meant he said, "Damn you, John Grisham! Damn you to hell!" <laughs> well, is, yeah. Is that, Okay. <laughs> it was post aneurysm. Is that what you're getting yeah, at? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm so glad we kept Caleb on for, for this sport. <laughs> Sorry, you can. Wow. You can, you can do that if you want. Oh, I love it. All right. I'm glad you said it might be offensive because I was going to say, you know, you threw me out there as a Holocaust denier, but I don't know if Caleb mocking the handicapped is the, <laughs> is the right thing to do. So. I like his kind of ham handed, like. Sorry, like at the end of it, that was probably one of like the best part. No, no, it's hilarious. Don't get me wrong. I just want someone else to to be on the naughty list with me. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> speaking of being on the naughty list, here's Livius in just the episode before this one, and I loved it so much. It was just so ridiculous that it had to make it into this. Have you had Mayan food? No. Is there such a thing? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are there still Mayans? <laughs> I, no, I'm being serious. I'm fairly they, certain that there are still Mayans. Didn't the Mayans like just disappear out of no we've got to look this up. All right, well Mayan civilization, but like the actual like, you know, people who are Mayan, there's people who are a percentage Mayan for sure. Are you looking it up for real? I'm trying. Are there Mayans did not look up the result <laughs> that I was hoping for? <laughs> The internet has thwarted you because it's such a stupid question. It refuses to give you an answer. Why do I feel like I have to keep defending myself? You know, I did some more research, and I really can't find anywhere that says that there are currently Mayans living anywhere. (laughs) Again, not as like an indigenous population somewhere, but there are people who are Mayan. That's all I'm saying. God damn it. But you know what? Yeah. I, I am totally. I listened to this episode yesterday. I think it was yesterday on my way to work, and uh, I heard that part, and I'm like, "Man, that is the worst Google Kung Fu I have ever heard." <laughs> Are there Mayans? That, that was my, my search. You know, I also once you said that, like later on after I was like editing the episode, I went and I googled "Are there Mayans?" just to see <laughs> what the results were. Not that impressive. No, not at all. But you know, it is impressive. What's that? I guess it isn't really that impressive. That you actually put an Easter egg at the end of a show that nobody nobody ever heard. Yeah. Um, I thought, 
I thought people listened to the bitter end until the actual like you know, until the needle lifted up off the record, so to speak. Um, apparently not the case. <laughs> Even the person that that I know you put it in there specifically for one guy to hear. Yep. You had to tell him like what three times <laughs> to yeah. listen to. Work. Yeah. Oh. Yep. All right, here it is, the shortest clip of our 2012 Funniest Moments. Keep pooping. Yep, that's it. I said it. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was, yeah. To put that in context, um, that was yeah. Livius. That's the episode we did for uh, They Say the Owl Was a Baker's Daughter review, the the um, Pablo de Stare book, which was all about peeing and vomiting and pooping um, wait that's not what it was all about but <laughs> well, I there mean, was a lot of it in there there was a lot of yeah i mean every like a profound amount of the characters emotional reactions were tied to some sort of something coming out of an orifice of some kind so <laughs> we're recording the episode and I don't know. I don't even know what inspired you to do it, but just that you know we're we're doing the outro and it's always keep reading and Livius just says keep pooping. So I, and I, he didn't even know I put that at the end. I think I had to tell you about it, right? Yes, you did. You had to tell me about because I don't even listen all the way to the end. So uh, hey, out of those, so so okay. So let me go back. Out of these, how many of these funniest moments contained you? Oh damn! Did that just did you happen? put that on the table? Um, I am very proud of what I said about your Mayan thing, where I said that the internet thought it was such a stupid question that they didn't want to give you an answer. Fair enough. Fair enough. You get half of one. Well, how many of them are from you being clever? <laughs> wait, wait. That's not what the question was. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Looking forward to a lot more of those moments in, uh, in 2012. I'll tell you, and I know you don't have the clip, but I honestly think that one of the most fun moments I had is when we looked up wheelchair hitchhiking. <laughs> I know that wasn't technically in one of the episodes, but it's my favorite book bonus. Yeah, segment. it is on the yeah, it's on the bonus the book yeah. bonus site, and it is very awesome. <clears throat> it's been a long year. That's all I can say. A lot of stuff going on this year. Lots of lots of new new ground to cover literally sometimes um lots of stupid things you've said (laughs) it's been it's been a big year um all right and what would an episode of booked be without patterson watch patterson watch is something that we've been doing kind of irregularly you know almost the entirety of the podcast i think the first time that we (laughs) i think the first time we picked on james patterson was was our first interlude episode i don't know the specifics of it but um i think that's where we start started using the word book mill uh and 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 we started just riding on james patterson and and so he's been around with us almost the entire entirety of the podcast he has and and this is our our year end year end patterson watch which is brought to you in part by rock center with brian williams Uh, did you watch this Yes, I did. What do you think of that? All right, so <laughs> Brian Williams does a thing called Rock Center, and um, he just has people on, and they talk about whatever. He had James Patterson on. It was about a nine-minute video. Uh, we'll do our best to kind of include it in the post somehow, although I don't know if it's embeddable because NBC does their own, like, proprietary weird shit. 
Um, yeah, and it was like an eight or nine minute interview with Pat James Patterson just talking about him being a famous, like super wealthy writer. This guy sold two hundred and sixty million books yeah. to date. Okay. But <laughs> this is the best part of this thing is the the interviewer asked him flat out says hey you know you have these co-authors and a lot of people think that's you know kind kind of you know that you have kind of like a book factory going here and he says this is awesome he goes listen it takes an assembly line to put together a mercedes it's still a mercedes so james patterson <laughs> sir you are like a mercedes humble hum- it was a humble comparison for sure yeah um God damn it <sighs> What was the thing that really got me, though? Because, um, again, it was a very candid conversation. Like, no punches were pulled. Although, he did seem like he was kind of sucking up to James Patterson a lot. But um, he, he said stuff like, you know, there are, you know, a lot of writers have criticized him and said he's not a good author. Um, and then, and you know, so basically Patterson admitted that he he didn't want to write books that's, that were, you know, <laughs> essentially good quality. Um Oh, here. Um, uh, Well-received literary novels that sell 5,000 copies. He said he wanted to sell um, lots of books. And so he chose to write a certain way. Um, and <laughs> Brian Williams basically asked him, did you did you decide you don't have the chops and you're not going to do that? And um, Patterson said, I don't have those chops. Just outright, he basically said, I don't have the ability to write a well-received literary novel. Yeah, I, I think that, and the one thing I liked about that was, and, and it's something as much as we tease Patterson and, and whatever, you know, the guy's a, a genius businessman. It's 260 million books sold, Guinness World Record holder for, for bestsellers. Um, you know, the one thing I didn't know about him was that he had worked in advertising. And I actually had made a note in here. He was a latter-day Don Draper. I'm sure anybody, I'm sure any woman that's ever seen Mad Men cannot make this this logical jump to James Patterson as Don Draper. <laughs> but, uh, you know, marketing, man, it's all about marketing. And, and, you know, I know a lot of writers are down on him, but deep down inside, candidly, if you talk to them, I think every one of them, every one of them would, would trade what they're doing for what Patterson's doing any day of the week. Yeah. In a way, this was kind of bad for me to watch this because I have to respect his honesty. He's doing exactly what he wants to do, and he's doing it the way he wants to do it. Um, the thing I don't like is that, well, at one point he says about his books, he says, I think they're good reads, and that's just bullshit. Yeah, well, to be fair, we haven't read all of them. One, so, well. the one, Yeah, the one we read was goddamn horrible. It was goddamn but, horrible, but it was, you know, and, and this yeah. could just be like, you know, idiots talking about it but they did say it was supposed to be his best novel ever right yeah but who said that that's the question so, I don't, i'm not i'm not defending the guy but then again we know that he uh any book that he i'm doing the air quotes co-authored probably has very little to do with his own personal writing yeah so yeah that's why i said the one book i wanted to review by him i was hoping he would have something original that wasn't a kid's book that was written just by him or branded that way at least it's just i don't think that opportunity is ever going to come yeah yeah, so interesting video. It really just kind of like, in a way, it's kind of fun too because like he's just like, the dude, you know, what, $94 million last year? Yep. 
And he just goes on TV and he's like, that's what I do, bitches. I did what I did when I want to. Um, he still loves books. He, he said he loves storytelling and all that. And that's kind of the sad thing that I have to admit myself, admit to myself from time to time is that just because I know a book is terrible doesn't mean that someone else won't enjoy it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, there's people who read who don't want to think about what they're reading. They don't understand and i've had this conversation not often but a couple of times where you know you find this line that's just so beautifully put together and and the sentiment behind it is so great and you know you like share it with someone else and they're like yeah and yeah you know so some people and this is this is the equivalent of this is i'm sure what craig walwick was getting at of my really enjoying something like the wizard of oz it has zero depth it's just good clean fun it's you know it's it's the goofy comedy that somebody pays to go watch you know, it's that version versus, you know, some great, you know, epic film or, or some story or some, you know, great love story, something, anything, you know, it's it's popcorn, you know, it's just something you munch on. You know, it's not terribly satisfying, but it's, you know, fun to eat. So. All right. But I still reserve the right to um, when someone talks to me about books and they tell me that. James Patterson is the best author ever. I reserve the right to tell them how completely ridiculous that is. That's probably fair. It's very fair. Because I said so. So, so um, instead of uh, the Patterson watch this week, we actually watched Patterson. <laughs> we did. We watched Patterson, uh, and that's our Patterson watch. Yeah. Note, note we weren't quite as snarky this time, because I saw his, you know, 50 million dollar mansion and that scene where he's rolling around naked in the hundred dollar bills you know it, it kind of <laughs> with brian it, williams yeah it kind of reminded me that yeah i, I don't yeah that that's not my life <laughs> yeah ours it was weird to see all those manuscripts printed stacked and like stacked in weird places like they looked like they were going to fall off of things yeah did you notice that yeah. like you think he'd have one big banquet table for the 40 manuscripts that are currently in progress mm-hmm. nope Here's my question to you. How do you think, what do you think it's like to be his 14-year-old son? It's got to be pretty goddamn awesome. Like, you could just walk around being like, I give zero fucks. I'm James Patterson's son. Who was that? I Yeah, I didn't catch because the video kept cutting out. Because I think that's how NBC keeps you from putting it on your website. Mm. Um, who was the guy who was calling him old Jimmy Patterson? It's like his barber or somebody like his uh, hometown, like a guy who went to, to high school with him. Yeah, he's uh, like, hey, to me, he's always just good old Jimmy Patterson. <laughs> and then Patterson heard that and heard, had him assassinated. Pretty much had him assassinated. Yeah, maybe at least on the page. That is a that's a wrap on James Patterson. Watch 2012. You've been watched. I just made something up there. Creep. <laughs> So I guess that um, pretty much covers it for the year in review stuff, huh? Yeah, more or less. You got any final thoughts about uh, 2012 or looking forward to 2013? I've got to say I've never been one to uh, to look back on with any type of real fondness. I like to kind of look forward. So if you have nothing you want to reminisce on, we can move into our outlook for the new year. Um, just really quickly, glad we got to meet all the new authors that we did. Um, 
and spend a lot more time with the people we already knew. Um, I mean, specifically people like S.G. Brown spending, you know, coming on, talking to us. Uh, newer people like Fred Venturini, John Horner Jacobs, Ben Whitmer, uh, Matthew McBride, all those people, tons of people that we do. We just, you know, Matt Funk, we, we brought in this year and uh, subsequently are doing cool stuff with. Uh, yeah, it's always nice to make those new acquaintances and, and build up the, uh, the booked alum uh, list. That's a very good point. Yes. Thank you to them. Thank you to the listeners, of course. Yeah. Thanks to Lawrence Kitts for listening, grouping us. It was pretty awesome. Okay. See, the problem, the trap of thanking someone is that if you don't thank someone else, you're still an asshole. So we uh, really deeply, sincerely thank everybody who listened to us or pitched in somehow, guested, uh, did an interview with us, sent us a story for our anthology, gave us something to read, asked us if we wanted to read it, even if we couldn't. All of you people are excellent. You're helping us, our podcast, be awesome. You always do the sentimental stuff so much better than I ever could. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it's because I have a heart. I'm not a robot like you. Doesn't believe hey, in Mayans <laughs> or the Holocaust. Science. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Looking forward to the, into the new year. I will probably say more things that Rob finds ridiculous enough to bring up in the next year in review episode. Guaranteed. <laughs> Here's what, what uh, some of the things that, uh, that I'm looking forward to in the new year. We are going to publish an anthology that is going to be just goddamn awesome. Um, so awesome, in fact, that we're not going to review it because it's already a five-star book. Bam. Bam. There it is. Um, second, this year we will bring you more interviews than we did last year. Fifteen. At least fifteen. <laughs> Just to be mathematically accurate. But um yeah, we're uh, we're already reaching out. We've already reached out and we've had some little bit of rejection already. We're already uh looking forward to uh to some of the guests that we're gonna bring you in the new year. Can I just go back and say that if we were smart and clever? When we were giving our list of the top three books that we read in 2012, we would have said ours because you know we already read all the stories. So technically, we read the book. That's very, very true. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, back on point. Yes, definitely looking forward to having more authors, uh, a variety of people, hopefully some bigger names, uh, and also some new, um, less discovered talent, like uh, you know some indie authors and stuff like that, a nice mix. What do you think about readings? Are you still down to do some more readings? I think we're going to do our own reading this year. Ooh. That's a scoop, everybody. The, yeah, Once all the book stuff's out of the way. We'll focus on doing some live readings. Yeah, I think that uh, Chicago needs a, a little influx of, uh, of authorly types sitting around in a bar reading. Yeah, I agree. Uh, AWP, 2013, that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Boston is only three months away. That's so soon. Oh, it's two months away. God damn, that is really soon. Yeah, that's very soon. I gotta start. I, I have actually decided, um, because I'm such a coffee addict, that in order to help pay for my trip, I am going on a two-month coffee-spending hiatus starting January 1st. Oh, God, he's going to be crabby and tired the that's whole right. goddamn time. I'm just someone, send, <laughs> someone send this guy to Boston so he can afford coffee. I, um, I will drink coffee that people give me i just won't pay for it myself so 
if you want to keep me on uh, keep keep me happy uh starbucks gift cards you can send them right from the starbucks app um i'll also accept dunkin donuts i guess <laughs> can you do it from facebook you send a gift from a starbucks I, card from facebook i have to imagine that there's got to be some way to okay but yeah, basically, um, we're looking forward to bringing you guys more great content. So we're gonna we're gonna try and raise the bar this year and and bring you some, uh, oh, more intro to episodes, at least another two. <laughs> yeah, we got to match 2012 at least. Yeah, but I mean, we want to bring you guys more good content. So we're constantly working, constantly looking for ways to do that. Yeah, I think we're just gonna keep pushing ourselves and just keep raising the standards of what we want to do. Um, you know, shooting for for bigger better things all the time that's going to be the the theme you know how we're going to kick that off right oh uh yeah yeah but i'll let you say it so some of you have been longtime listeners of the show may have heard us mention warren ellis in the past wrote a book called crooked little vein i guess he's mostly known for comic book stuff i don't know anything about that what i do know is that crooked little vein is easily in my top 10 books of all time and he um has a new book out it's called gun machine which is very, very exciting for this little podcast to have a, obtained an early copy of that. But Rob, tell them the really exciting part. We are going to have a guest reviewer, Paul Tremblay. It's going to be Paul Tremblay, author of Swallowing a Donkey's Eye, who we interviewed. We reviewed his book and interviewed him earlier in the year. He agreed to read the book and come on and talk about it with us. So that's pretty excellent news. Yep. 2013 is going to kick off with Paul Tremblay. It's going to kick off with a little bit of Warren Ellis writing. And uh, it's just going to keep on heading up from there. Damn right, bitches. We got anything else, or are we ready to send this off? I think we are ready to send this off. I think we've run a little longer than we intended to. All right. Well, uh, so that's it for the year 2012. Um, Happy New Year. Be safe. Um, Till next year, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Keep reading. Should all the greatest be I wish I knew the words to that song. Yeah. I had a song that for the outro.